Bootstrapping? Mental models? Welcome to the Reactor Podcast with your hosts, Justin Vincent and Mark Wilbur. The fantastic, the amazing Mark Wilbur. Hello, how are you? This is, uh, this is our show. This is hey, Justin, how's it going? Reactor. <laughs> with the tongue trill, all right. <laughs> oh, that, that's actually, oh, trill. I didn't know that. Yeah, the a trill. That's good. I think to have so. a, it's good to yeah. have a word for it. I just thought it was like just a, an effect. I don't know. Either way. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, it's been uh, quite a week for you, I guess. Uh, quite a week, having yeah. lots of fun discussions with Justin Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. your your podcast you did with him. I, I don't remember <laughs> if that was before our last episode or not. I think maybe uh, not. No, no, it was in between. It was in between the last show. Yeah, because I I mentioned those two Twitter links on the last show. Exactly, it's because of you. Then you checked his Twitter link, and then yeah. you got to chatting, and then uh, a podcast happened, which is amazing. It is amazing. So thank you very much for that. I really do appreciate that. Yeah, that's a, well, that's an awesome sort of uh, luck surface area type of situation. Appreciate I was it. thrilled with the result of it. That was a pretty good episode. So um, this is episode three thirty three of Texting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was neat because you uh, you just kind of jumped right into it. Like there was no preamble. There was no, you know, this is Justin. He's from Canada. He likes, yeah, you know, right. hard music. You know, it was just, you know, right into the topic. Talking <laughs> yeah. about uh, um, the importance of a market versus building an audience first. And I thought it was, it was a pretty good one. It was good. So, I mean, I was honestly, even after the show had ended, I was trying to work out like, what am I actually arguing with him about? Like, why, why do I feel some level of discomfort in my stomach that I'm continuing to argue? Because we continued to like slack back and forth after that discussion. And it was like, I'm just trying to understand, like, why am I, what, like, what am I feeling here? Yeah, I think it's because both of you have been doing bootstrappy kinds of things for a long time. And you've, really struggle at times, like really slog through a lot. So you both care about it a lot. And then you have slightly different definitions of the same words, including things like audience, which is the core of the whole thing you were talking about. Right. Yeah. I think that is true. And I think, yeah, and I, I do think that. And um, <clears throat> I think something else is um, I'm really concerned with repeatable first principles. Mm -hmm. um, and when I think about the first principles of indie hacking, like what, what are the lowest, the lowest atomic things that you need to know about, that is not one of them. And so, so I'm really um, into, interested in getting people from zero to one. And, you know, I know 
that I had no fucking clue about market demand when I built Plugio, and that yeah. was not a, a first principle. Well, you know, there's a famous book by that uh, title. Yeah, Thiel. Yeah, right. Um, Peter Thiel. Thiel. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I actually oh, got the uh, the uh, pre-release version of it. Mm. Got it signed by both the authors, which is kind of really cool. this <laughs> okay. Was like back before they were that famous. Um, but one of the uh, one of the things in that book, though, was the idea that there is there is no clear path because any business success obviously they're thinking of like huge successes mm-hmm. yeah is going to be unique so like if you were you know just scouring the internet looking for the next e-commerce opportunity you would have missed google if you were looking for the next google you'd miss facebook and so on and and uh it was like the uh the opposite of the anna karenna quote instead of yeah. uh um all happy families are the same and the unhappy ones are unhappy in their own special way that book said it's all six all unsuccessful startups are the same and the successful ones are successful in their own unique way. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, but I, but I mean, I think that's a really insightful book. Like I, it, it's one of the few I've read where it, it genuinely brought some new ideas to the table for me, but uh, it's, it's like aimed at the opposite of bootstrappers. Hmm. It's not bad advice. I mean, it's, it's very good advice to say, understand market demand. Like it is yeah. extremely, it's, it's extremely good advice. Um, but like I say, most of the people who I know, including Justin Jackson, didn't understand market demand when they were <laughs> building the, you know, the, the, the initial part of their success. Um, it's just, it's, so it's, so it's, it's extremely good advice. And, um, it's also not, you know, needed at the beginning. So that's that's my that's my conundrum with it. Maybe part of it is the way that it's said. Not not Justin Jackson, just Twitter. So like the way Twitter. that advice the way that advice is presented by someone like Justin Jackson or me or anyone on Twitter, it's like a kind of like hear ye, hear ye. It's like a like a town a town crier saying, Hear ye, hear ye, thou shalt understand market demand, you know? And if yeah. thou dost not understand it, thou shalt be chopped from nape to chops. <laughs> well and, and also I think like <laughs> almost any advice we take it out of context could it's be wrong in, in certain situations. Yeah. And so it's it's really crucial to think about like what was the other person's or what what was the speaker's uh, frame of reference? When they're saying that, like, what was their situation? Irony, Justin Jackson has a fantastic video that, that explains very clearly about that with a drawing of someone going up the mountain and like really explains oh, okay. context, you know, like that probably one of the, one of the first, thing, first videos that I saw a long time ago um, that made me start really thinking about context. So it's ironic then that um, this, this tweet, which is sort of just in a specific context, um, so, so what it makes me think is, is advice on the internet really useful unless it's a first principle thing? Unless you say something like, like so, so let's think about some first principle indie hacking. Yeah, I, I think there's all kinds of uh, useful advice that's not a first principle thing. Oh, okay. And the first no. principle things are going to be way harder to apply. All right. Because yeah, okay. you're working up from the ground up. Okay. So, I mean, first principle things, you might be talking about like math or economics or like core things about human psychology. Um, yeah, and so you basically can, you can build up from that want, for sure. 
people have to, I mean, at the end of the day, people have to want what you're making. Yeah. That's the first principle. Yeah. So, so here's, here's like a, a very non first principle piece of advice that, that I, I think helped a lot of entrepreneurs a couple of years ago. Go on. And that was like, you know, Facebook groups are exploding right now. They want people in groups. Just, just make a group, start, like, start doing your stuff there, and the algorithm will help you and bring more people to it. And like that is so specific and not even remotely first principle, but yeah. it helped a lot of people. You know what? I love that you just changed my mind. I, and I love, by, by the way, this is another thing where I think why I might be, uh, have enjoyed an argument with, with uh, Justin Jackson. Um, I feel like he doesn't change his mind too much. He kind of like sets his mind on something and then he's like, it takes him a long time to move off that position. And somehow that's almost like bait makes me kind of want to argue to make someone change their position. But you just changed my position right there. Wow. Like, All right. you're like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. That is a very good point. So thank you. And you, you could, you could do the same for me. If, if you uh, knock it out of the park with your Roblox game, that will uh, change my mind about the opportunity there. <laughs> Look, the, the, the thing is, is that um, I, I don't care very much. The only thing I care about is that it makes its money back. So the yeah. money that I've invested in the dev, as long as I don't lose that, then I, then I, th the only thing I care about is uh, what my wife thinks pretty much. Fair enough. Happy wife, happy life. Now, yeah. if I release that and it goes nowhere and makes no money, then there will be an unhappy wife and an unhappy life. So I just need to make sure that it covers the initial investment and then we're good. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you've got to have at least uh, some, some percentage of your portfolio of bets paying off. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Well, no, you know what? Um, so in the discussion with Justin Jackson, I was sort of talking through Nugget with him on Slack and really made me realize nugget is actually very good um do you, do you know sometimes you sort of like need to remind yourself about the thing that you've been working mm. on for the last four years oh that is really good actually the only issue is i just haven't really marketed it yet you know like yeah i just haven't done any marketing <laughs> that's the, that's the I, I only think, issue <laughs> yeah i think also part of it's just like clarity on what you want from it yeah yeah like or is it just a pro-social thing or is, is income a, a significant concern or is, you know, growing your network a bigger concern? You know, it's like, what do you want out of it exactly? And I think if you focus on one, you'll make a lot of progress on it. Income's always a, always a concern, but it's just discussions with Justin Jackson kind of forced me to think about the numbers, like what, how they stack up. Mm -hmm. And they, they stack up very well, um, you know, like the way that, because what one thing that I did with Nagio, uh, Nagio. <laughs> there you go. Very similar in a lot of ways. One thing Two that projects I did... that have made you money that you kind of just were like, eh, I don't know, I'm just going to put this on the back burner. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that, that Nagio thing made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> uh, you're saying you, you had to look at the numbers. Um, you got a lot of signups recently. Um, um, uh, forgotten it. Sorry, you, you said I, the I, conversation I, it was a really good with, point. With Justin made you yeah. look at the really look at the numbers for Nugget, see what yeah. the opportunity was. Mm -hmm. And I was talking before that. I was talking about uh, uh, what what's your focus? Is it the network? Yeah. Is it the money? Is it mm -hmm. helping the entrepreneurs? 
Okay, we'll just we'll just go somewhere else then. Um, uh, let me give my goals update. Yeah, go since on. Since we're already a bit into the podcast. Um, yeah. So, health wise, I have stayed wait, stable. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah? That's not going to pull out of the nugget thing well because I was really in the middle of a, of a sentence. So let okay. me just let me just wrap up the nugget yeah, yeah. thing go so that it. it makes it easy for this transition. So, um, so long story short, I do think that nugget um, is something that I know I'm already working on and that I do know I need to pay attention to. And I think um, there's, there is a good financial opportunity there as well. So I'm, I'm going to be thinking a little bit more about that because that's what I was already thinking about, but now I'm, it's sort of made me double down on that aspect of it. So, well, well, Hey, cool. tell me, tell me about your goals. All right. So uh, first one was health. I fasted one day and my goal was one to three. So that's nice. fine. Okay, good. In terms of uh, waist size, stayed steady. Um, feeling a little bit better, though. Like I, uh, I did a five-mile run this morning, totally fasted, and just felt totally fine. Like the, the fasting didn't affect it at all. So I, I do think there's uh, decent progress there. I'm going to try to fast two days next week. Okay. Um, this new microphone, which I don't know if you can see here, but it's, it's – uh, yeah, it's, it's like pretty a, cool. you know, mounted on an arm and stuff. Um, this has been a pretty good investment so far. I, uh, I recorded a video on Alchemist Camp specifically about the mic. It was just like, hey, like, what do you think of this new thing? I put yeah. it on a stand first because it comes with a little stand. And then I you know, set it up like this and compared it to the Yeti. And mm-hmm. I got several comments on the video and on Twitter, including... Uh, like I thought the blue Yeti was great until I heard this. So uh, I think <laughs> nice. it's, it's been a, a very good buy and it was only like a hundred dollars on Amazon. So, well, I really like that. that. <clears throat> so one question, um, yep. are you going to start using the audio from that mic for these shows? Uh, I am right now. Yeah. No, I mean, instead of, instead of the zoom audio, the zoom audio is coming from this mic. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the locally recorded audio, are you going to start using that like so that it's the purest form of the audio? Um, probably not because that's, oh. that's a lot more work. Okay, got it. That, that involves like putting two audio files on the video and lining them up. And okay. it's like five times more time to edit. But I, I think we should hear some improvement, considerable, considerable improvement just because this mic is so much closer to me now. So you shouldn't be able to hear my air conditioner but I think um, like for an ultimate stuff like that for an ultimate sound quality improvement for our audio show, we should probably start doing the double ender um, from our local audio files, but maybe we can do that in the, at some point in the future. We, yeah. we can like get someone to retrospectively do it. Yeah. It. Well, so let's keep all the audio files yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's okay. see the, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. So, so it's a Samson Q2U microphone. I had tried to get the uh, Audio Technica AT or ATR twenty one hundred that Ben Ornstein recommended. It's uh, it's not on sale anymore. It's been discontinued. They have a newer one that costs like fifty percent more. And the the comments on Amazon are just kind of like, eh, it's not really not really worth it. Um, but this one was recommended as uh, the best alternative number of places. And Justin Jackson is actually one of the people who recommended it on his transistor page, like is getting started. This was the, the recommended starter mic. Oh, nice. So, okay. 
um, it, it's let me record more video than I, I have been previously because I don't have to stop every time my air conditioner starts. Oh, so uh, I've cool. actually uh, gotten uh, three videos published this week, which is pretty good for me. That's very cool. Um, let's see. Phoenix Igniter, I have, I have more pressure to work on. Good. Um, I, I have a, a customer that's like, hey, so like, when, are you, when are you pushing up some more code to this? Um, yeah. So yeah, got that. Oh, and I, I've had some, some bug fixes in Alchemist Camp. Someone, uh, someone discovered an Easter egg I put in it. <laughs> and the code for the Easter egg is broken by something else I had changed. Oh. So he's like, I found this amazing thing, and and I, I you know I, I think I finished the quest, but I didn't get the reward. So oh, that's uh, yeah. Oh, I'm really glad you mentioned reward. Um, do you mind if I talk like yeah yeah how about yeah? It? So um, with the with the boot camp, um, I've you know I've had like 267 people start the boot camp now. Wow. And I'm just getting started with, and this is what I was thinking about the marketing as well. Like I'm just getting started. Like I know that I can get, you know, thousands of people through this. Um, but this is just, that's what I was, that's where I was with my train of thought where we, where we lost it was. Um, getting them through the boot camp. Why can't I? Shit. This is the, I've never had that before. It's like every time I think about it, it's like it, 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 it evaporates. That's really wow. weird. Wow. Um, Probably sleep deprivation. Yeah, it, I, I have had sleep deprivation. But basically, what I've been thinking about with um, with the boot camp right here is, I can get a really clear picture of the funnel and where they're where they're um, you know stopping mm -hmm. and sort of not continuing. But also the fact that it's not generating the sales that I wanted it to. Hmm. You know, so I've had two sales from two hundred and sixty-seven people. So I that needs to be better. So basically, what I what I was thinking of doing was just based off what you were just saying there. This this a, you were saying like a, a quest, an Easter egg. Yeah. I was really thinking of gamifying it, like somehow making it so that getting to the next page, there was some game about it. Hmm. Like I don't know what the game is. Interesting. Um, but like, pff, I, I don't know. Like, so Nugget itself is already fairly gamified, just yeah. to keep people moving along. Mm-hmm. Is the boot camp like that or not? The boot camp has the, it, it's, it's not the same. So I think like the, a progress marker and something like that. There is a progress marker, the same progress marker, but the boot camp lessons are much longer. They're, they're sort of multiple points per lesson, whereas the nugget lessons are just one point per lesson. Mm. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is they're longer. And the other thing is, um, I don't know, maybe it's just harder for people. To, I think it's just like it might need to be chunked out more. That's that's it might a be too issue. long. Yeah, it might be too long. But yeah. what could be a thing? Like, what could be a like? Could there be like a, I don't know, like a quiz on every page? Did you finish it? You know, did like do you do you know it and click a few radio buttons and then win a special think, character or I mean, I don't know, win something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> win something. I, yes, win something. Every page, you if you click next, you win something. Or you just give people points for the quiz, maybe. What about if, like, what about if you get a if you get a sticker, like just true gamification, like, yeah, click click next to collect your stickers. 
I don't know. A it, certification. I think a certification per page. That's yeah, you could do that. I I don't know. If it were me, I would be a little bit uh I would be a little bit put off by that. Just cuz I I, I, I want to like go through and get the material and it, it's it might be a little too overt. But if it's something like points, I'm just like, "Oh, okay, fine." But then you kind of still want them. Just like Hacker News Karma. The other thing is the idea of putting the academy sales page at the very end mm -hmm. is probably not very sensible because if you look at the way the roblox games work the majority of the money comes from people being able to buy their way into success mm -hmm. so they they can basically just unlock stuff without having to play the game so maybe that's what you want to do with the boot camp. It's like, okay, buy the academy now. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So so one one thought is so your boot camp is, it's just uh, like a smaller free version of Nugget itself. So In when some ways, previous not exactly previously people going to Nugget were pre-selected because they were expecting it to cost some money. Yeah. Yeah. And so yes, there's true. no surprise yes. there. But if, if you go to a free boot camp and you have no idea there's this paid thing and then you finish it and there's immediately a paid thing, that might be a tougher sell. Whereas maybe if you know there's a paid thing or there's an extension and then you get a discount on that when you get to the end of the boot camp, then that's, that, that might be a lot more appealing. Yes. And the thing is that, you know, the... The emailing list for Nugget has a 2.5% conversion ratio previously. Mm -hmm. So, and that, you know, that's not particularly great. I mean, that's just from a completely cold emailing list. But the point is, is the website and people going through the bootcamp should have at least 2.5% conversion ratio, if not more. So there should be five people who, who've bought it at this point, not two. I don't know. I mean, where'd the email list come from? Just people coming in from ideas or blog posts or whatever. Just product hunt stuff, like, yeah, just random stuff. Because I, I think if the email list was from people that knew you were selling something, they might actually convert better because oh, you know, sure. there's that expectation. Yeah. Whereas for sure. But they, they if, didn't. It wasn't that. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to say. I I think my my conversions are probably similar to that to be honest yeah. I, I think, think uh, ish. let's see i've had about three thousand thirty five hundred people go through my email list and yeah. maybe yeah I, I think that's that's close yeah yeah i mean that's sort of what you expect so so a one percent you know like i'm do i'm dealing with like a one slightly less than one percent that's something's not right like that something's definitely not right about the about the way that it's put together and that's mm. fine that gives me you know that just gives me something to work on over the next uh, couple of weeks to, to tweak that while i'm also working on the the roblox game i would yeah i would i would be inclined to tweak it so they know the existence of the paid thing they know mm -hmm. it's a bigger thing and then it's it's not as jarring when they see it at the end yeah um, um okay let's yeah. th that, that's enough we don't need to talk about my stuff too much so um what what else is going on with you then? Let's see. Other than the bug fixing, um, I've been a little bit disappointed about GitLab's changes in their CI/CD <laughs> pricing. 
<laughs> have, okay. have, you, have you heard anyone talk about this? Or? No, but I'd love to hear it. Tell me. Okay. So <laughs> I switched on to GitLab CICD maybe a year and a half, two years ago, because it was an amazing, it was an amazing value, really. Um, and in fact, I have a lot of my stuff on GitLab because they had that before GitHub had, uh, before GitHub added, what was it, like actions or whatever it is. But uh, they have just reduced the number of CICD hours for the second time. So I, I, I forgot what it was at before. I think, I think it was like 2,000 hours a month or something. And then it, it got decreased. And, and now it's, I believe it's 20 hours a month. I, I, I may be wrong on all of these numbers. Um, but, but the... CICD free hours. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna Google it right now. Um, oh, sorry, it's 2,000 minutes is what what you have now. Um, so it's it's to the point where I'm okay with my current projects, but now I'm I'm kind of thinking about deploying. It's like I've I've got some 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 patch or something I've fixed with with like uh, that uh, that little gamification side quest I mentioned on Alchemist Camp, or I want to update some copy, or I'm going to update Phoenix Igniter. Every single one of those is in the same organization on GitLab, and they all draw from the same CI/CD hours. Mm-hmm. So it's it's making me think like, hmm, you know, do I want to just not use their CI/CD and run tests locally, and then you know deploy using my my old process, which um, which was directly from my machine using a tool called eDeliver. Um, I don't know. It, it feels like it's a the, the reduction's a bit much, and it's really going to be bad for any projects in Rust if I, you know, decide I need CI/CD for any of them because Rust takes longer to compile and build. What does the CD part mean of the CI? Continuous deployment. You know, um, a a guy, a, a Nugget guy, built Fire CI. Which, which basically is local Docker, which is a local Docker-based CI thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could use that. I mean, I I saw it. I'd have to look at it. I have a fairly, I have a fairly special setup, partially due to using Elixir, but uh, yeah, I could check it out. Yeah. I mean, basically, the way it works for me now is, if I push any branch to GitLab, it runs my tests. And if the branch that I pushed or merged is master and all the tests pass, it automatically deploys. Yeah. And the way it runs the tests is inside a Docker container, which is fairly standard. The yeah. way it deploys is a little bit, uh, little bit unique to my setup. It does build the project in a Docker container. Okay. However, I've given that Docker container the ability to SSH into my server and it deploys it using that tool, eDeliver, because I'm not dockerizing the server. Okay, yeah. So it's, it's basically, um, and, and also it doesn't even destroy the state on the server, because one thing Elixir can do is upgrade without, um, without destroying any state. You just, like, you, you don't even stop the server. So, Elixir. <laughs> yes. Uh, Third time I've moved. Had to move, yes. I, I've edited out the first move, though. Uh, okay. So, yeah, when I... When I Deploy, I, I don't even stop the server all the time because one thing you can do with Elixir or Lang is you can, you can deploy an upgrade 
where everything just keeps running and it upgrades, which means you don't even need a load balancer because you don't have any downtime. And most people don't deploy that way, but you know, just, just out of interest, seeing how it works, and also uh, the fact that if I do this, I don't need a load balancer, I set it up that way. So I'm, I'm not dockerizing everything on the server. I'm just, uh, just building in a dockerized environment and deploying from that temporary environment to the server. Yeah. And, you know, the way it's set up, it's, it's a great workflow because I don't even have to think about any of that. I just, you know, I just push my code to GitLab and if, if all the tests pass, uh, then, then it's updated. Well, I have no tests. Every time no I, tests. <laughs> I have no tests. Every time I check in, all my live servers just instantly pull directly from production from the production live branch. This is for Nugget and all that other stuff. Yeah. Obviously, not for my Montage or True Space. That's completely different. But for for Nugget, it just no tests. If I check in a mistake, it's, it's going to break everything. <laughs> it's just... Well, <laughs> I, I think I, I told you about my uh, my buddy Paul, right? Mm -hmm. The uh, nutrition site Baron. Yeah, it's my friend I met in Beijing, and he was. Mm -hmm like working on this nutrition site. He was, wasn't making enough money to live in the U.S. really, but then he, he just like scaled the traffic up and up and up. Mm -hmm. It was like scraping uh, um, information from the U.S. RDA. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about that. Database, yeah. yeah. Um, he went to San Francisco after, because he, he built it up to like a million and a half uniques a month. And mm -hmm. it was last I talked to him, which was a while ago, uh, at least about a site. Um, he, you know, he was making like 50K a month. Yeah. His uh, his you know, DevOps or his, his deployment procedure was open up a file with the uh, FileZilla, edit it in something, I think like Notepad++, and then just drag it back into the FTP app and it would just be you know sent back to the server and overwrite what was there, just drag a PHP file, boom, update it. And if there's a mistake, then you know he... He sometimes had a copy of a backup or something like that. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I find about that, um, I don't know what you call it. It's like, I guess you'd call it suicide deployment. Okay, so it's like, it's like a suicide deployment methodology. But one thing is, it really makes you look hard at the code. Mm. Really think about it in, in a way that I don't with my other code. In the same, I mean, obviously, I, I don't want to sound bad for for my work obviously i do think about code or whatever because but there's tests there's tests to, to double check yeah it. like and it, it actually makes me end up refactoring code and making better code because it's such a there's such a high stakes process <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like okay yeah i'm really yeah that, that would be i used to uh, i used to deploy that way too before i could program really and i was just like running a before wordpress blog you could program. yeah well because I, I had a wordpress blog and it was on a shared host and so the whole way I did anything was just, you know, dragging files to and out did of an FTP program. You used to program. do the, the WordPress programming where you'd program with arrays? No, I wasn't really programming. So, so I, I, was, um, I was updating the CSS on my blog. Mm. I learned that. Like, that was a big thing I learned from programming or from the, from the blog. Um, I did make a couple super simple JavaScript widgets that did text conversion because I, I learned about regular expressions before I knew what like uh, 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 JavaScript prototype was or like any, anything like that. Um, 
Then on the PHP side, I think the only PHP I learned was include. And that, that was pretty useful. Remember when JavaScript, this is going to sound funny, but I remember when JavaScript was like first coming out and programmers, you know, serious programmers didn't like it. They didn't like it. It was just, it just, it was too democratizing of, of just coding. It just gave the ability for anyone to build stuff. They didn't like it when I was like, like when I was in the Bay area, like 2014 or something, I, I, uh, interviewed with a company that went really well. And then um, they were like, well, but, but if you want to like not be siloed into only front end roles, you need to do this interview again with like a real language instead of a scripting language. Wow. Which yes. is hilarious. I mean, it's um, hilarious because I feel like JavaScript is gradually, you know, moving to a point of eating everyone's lunch over time. I, well, I think a lot of that was from Java people, you know, the, the people that, that, were super into OO for everything. Like the, the people living in the kingdom of nouns, as Steve Yege called it. And to people like that, a language that doesn't have types. And, and there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff with JavaScript that's not ideal. Like it doesn't have integers. Um, there, there's anything uh, anything of, of the wrong type gets converted automatically. The time function doesn't actually track real time. Yeah, like, there, there's a lot of cruft that's been, other than the numbers, it's mostly been fixed with like libraries or TypeScript or things like that. But it's, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of get why those OO programmers hated it. And it was also used for just really trivial stuff. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I think it was like when I was there, like, you know, 2013 through 2015 is kind of when that changed. Oh yeah. Like that was when, major stuff happening then. Yeah, for sure. That, that's when all of a sudden it was like, well, no, we have like one backend engineer and like five front end engineers because that's where all the code is. Mm -hmm. I think the perfect architecture now for me, I mean, obviously you're doing something completely different. Like it's just all live view type stuff. But for me, um, it's like, a, like a uh, like a scripting like a PHP or a Ruby, mm -hmm. one page for main core logic, and then one JavaScript library that's like a centralized sort of theoretical single page web app, but it isn't really. Uh -huh. It's like it's just like it lo it's it's the same library that's loaded on every page, but it does a bunch of stuff on screen, so it's very responsive. But you so just you, kind of so you mean you're like you're doing you've got you've got a JavaScript front end library, but yeah. you're doing the routing on the back end. Yeah, basically. That, that, that's what I do because yeah. you, it just makes it so much easier to work on a page-by-page -page basis. And then what I do, and this is, this is weird, is I'll put inline JavaScript on every page until it's on more than one page. And then that, move it to the library. So that, that way I can just sort of pop out the whole website into existence, use the JavaScript, make it very, very um, reactive. And then I don't really need to it's all sort of encapsulated on a page. Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. I, so I'm, I'm actually interested in doing some bigger projects with LiveView at some point, but I'm not now. I mean, the way I usually develop is JavaScript with sprinkles. Um, I mean, I've, I've done like the full stack JavaScript, like, like Nuxt or something like that, um, where it's a single page app, but it's also server-side rendered, so you don't wreck your SEO. Um, but but I think for most stuff, 
you know, just server rendered is Sync fine. Page and I, th I think the performance is actually better in a lot of cases. Better. Like Indie yeah. Hackers had super, super slow yeah. loading yeah. because it had such a big bundle it was sending over. So I, I think that's fine. Um, if, if you're making something that's hyper immersive, it, you know, maybe you do want the, the routing all the front end. But for a content site, I don't think you do. Yeah, no, I mean, Plugio was single-page web app. And, um, you know, the routing side of things was complicated because there wasn't any built-in history management library for, for that type of yeah. thing. Um, I, I think it was, it, it was complicated. I think a really big difference uh, with me, and it sounds like maybe with you too, from how a lot of entrepreneurs and indie hackers are working is... Um, I, I'm really okay with something that, that's the 90% solution because I know that I'm just one person. You know, it's not like a team of five engineers and a designer working separately. So I'm not going to use the same practices they would. I'm not going to, you know, have as complex of DevOps or uh, as much testing or, you know, as much... Uh, uh, as much going on on the front end either. What do you think of no code? I think it's uh, a marketing term, basically. I, I, I've. Oh, but it, I've I mean, a, the website's. I mean, bubble.is is is no code. Yeah, but I think in a very real way, so is Excel, so is WordPress. Like, I, I don't think no code is a new thing. I think it's just a mm. new term. That has caught on like wildfire because the the term has become a way for people to uh, find each other and organize online and start sharing what works for them. But I, I, I like uh, fundamentally, I don't think there's anything different in kind about Bubble. You know, maybe different degree, but this it is looks the same as um, I mean, exactly the same as FileMaker Pro did in 1996. Yeah, I mean, this is something that's been going on a long time. Yeah. Uh, but, like, but so, so a lot of people think, sorry, I'm, I keep on interrupting yeah. you. On, no, I haven't. A lot of people think that, um, that no code is going to be like the future, you know? But anytime I work with someone with no code in Nugget and they sort of get to a certain point, and, I, and I'm like, yeah, what are you going to do now? Like, it... it it, that you're now you're now you're fucked if you want anything like remotely unique or if you want to add value in a different kind of way like you've got to stick within those rails i yeah i i've seen that happen and also i've seen it get really expensive because you know if you're going serverless and this is true even with people who do do code it doesn't mean there's no server it just means it's not your server and so you're relying on a whole bunch of third party services and they you know, they, they usually cost money and it adds up. But I, I think no code is uh, is advancing and so is what you can do with code. So, so I think there'll be more and more sites that you would have needed to be a programmer, say five or 10 years ago to make, that you can make without being a programmer now. But the tools for programmers are also getting better. So, so I think everyone's productivity is getting better. And the there's... So it's, it's like the general case. So like, like a, you know, like a Twitter is a general case. So we'll, we can make that on a no code. It, yeah. Essentially, no code really is just what, what Jason Roberts was trying to build, like an app ignite. 
Like, you know. Sort of, yeah. Sort of, yeah. So basically, it's just pre-baked, pre-baked stuff is what it is. Pre-baked functionality. Yeah. I think he was making something for programmers. But, mm. but yeah, I mean, I mean, like, we've seen so much of that with WordPress. Like, there, there's so many businesses that are purely online that are made with WordPress and a number of premium plugins that that look kind of like you know, a Laravel app might or, or, or something that you hired engineers to make, except you can't customize it as easily. And your data is, instead of being in your database, you've got your data inside dashboards of a whole bunch of, of uh, mm-hmm. other services. Drupal so. used to be so big. I mean, and, and yeah. it, it still is kind of big. If you're, if you're a government website or something like that, somehow it's become the de facto for those kind of things. So back in my WordPress days, I tried to make like a more interesting site with Drupal because I knew it was more powerful, but it was actually too too difficult for me. Yeah. And I, I think at that time I was maybe a 25 percent coder. Yeah. So I I don't know. I'm I'm not you know I I don't dislike the idea of no code or anything. Like I think uh, um, for a lot of people, it may be you know it may be the best way to get started. Like if you uh, if you don't program and you maybe you, you, know, you have like a job and you're busy and you don't have that much time to program on the side, but you have something you really want to make, then it's way better to get started and make like some proof of concept. And then maybe, you know, proof of concept and some people that are interested in it, maybe you can get a programmer to help you. Whereas if you just, you know, go to a bunch of tech meetups and you're like, I have a cool idea and that's it. Like, no one that you want to work with is going to want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, yeah, that's no code. What else we got? <laughs> kind of, I mean, kind of related to that. Um, I, I, do you, do you feel like, uh, like the space of opportunities is getting more crowded and more people are working on the same apps? Um, in a way, that's kind of a good thing because um, because if people are working on the same apps mm-hmm. and then that means that it's validating that market need, as Justin Jackson would say. Um, so you're sort of seeing that there's a need and especially if people are buying it, so then you can look on indie hackers and you can see people are making revenue with those types of apps. It makes it easier for you as a founder to go in and sort of, if if you think about market like Photoshop layers, you know, Mm -hmm. or blender layers or something, you've just got to find your unique way in. Um, So the answer is uh, yes. And I think that's probably a good thing. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. There, there was someone I saw on indie hackers wrote that they had, uh, they had just made 4k a month on uh, on their their project and the thing that was interesting about it is they they bought some proprietor some source of proprietary data so they were, they were spending like a thousand dollars a month on that and they were finding out like what companies needed and their whole service was, I mean it was a newsletter and it was basically like here are some some SaaS ideas nineteen dollars a month so it's actually very much like the original Nugget. Yeah, that, that is 100% like Nugget, yeah. Yeah. And the thing I was thinking about this is like, one, it's, it's really cool. They, 
this person like ramped from zero up to 4k uh, a month in just two months but two like the more popular this thing gets the more people that are going to be all trying to build the same SASs. well yeah i mean but that's not exactly the way that it has i mean having gone through that that cycle i mean what what he's going to learn is <laughs> pretty quick that um you know, you, the churn is super high. It doesn't even matter the price point. Okay. Okay. You know, so, so like I tried at 49 bucks a month, I tried at 19 bucks a month. It was exactly the same churn, no difference. And, um, and the reason why Nugget has evolved in the direction that it has is because um, I wanted to talk to customers and I wanted to find out, hey, what did you do? You know, how is it going? How did it go? Oh, right. Yeah. And then when you find out that no one's getting anywhere, then it's like, oh, no one's getting anywhere. And it's sort of like, hmm, these guys actually need training, not ideas. Ideas doesn't help them in the slightest. So that was that was how that whole thing began for me. That makes sense. Yeah. I it is a tough one. I I I have all kinds of thoughts about this. Like I, I am definitely getting more and more tempted to start working on a SaaS hmm. instead of just uh, either one-off or stuff I have to put all my time into. And I, it doesn't I mean I'm quitting anything I'm working on. Mm. I'm, I'm still going to, you know, I'm, I'm still going to get Well, the, I think uh, that this is where I think that, that Justin Jackson has a really good good point is that um, the build audience first type of thing is very relevant for the time of stuff that you're doing. But um, for SaaS, it is much more about understanding jobs to be done and, you know, what's what's useful you know like market demand i do agree but like that's that is the level that's level four indie founder level up game so yeah also i think i think like building like if your competitive advantage is software maybe it makes sense to spend more time writing software instead of uh you know instead of content well i don't know about that hmm, okay i i mean because 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 at the end of the day, you need, you need, you need to get people from somewhere. So it's going to be SEO. You're going to pay for it, or you're going to grab them through content marketing. Those are your only three channels. SEO, pay for it, content marketing. How about engineering as as marketing? So, oh yeah, four. You see, change my mind all the time. Thank you. So okay. yeah, so basically, integration marketing, something like that. Yeah, but that's kind of SEO. So it's it's essentially automated traffic. You know. Yeah, I, well, I think I think if you make uh, a really interesting widget, or you, uh, you know, you make some open source software that a lot of people use, um, I know Formidable Labs did that for a while. Like they yeah. they made um, Stylus, and they, they made a whole bunch of JavaScript open source stuff, mm -hmm. and I bet that got them a lot of clients. Now they they weren't really a product company, but uh, it, it did seem to be their their. Their way there's, in. The, there's a lot of ways I was thinking about this like I mean I, I haven't even started uh, really <laughs> with the boot camp and already 250 people have gone through it so or well, started it so there there is there is a lot of ways to just get people to your stuff if you just if you just do it the, the it's just basically the grind is the problem it's just like okay I think there's a lot of truth in that <laughs> I gotta do some more grind to this fucking marketing stuff you know yeah yeah that, that's i think that's honestly i think i think the uh the sustained effort is the hardest thing yeah it's once it's effort. you know once it's like already you've well 
once either once you've already had a big launch or you're just like kind of settled into a thing where you're making progress. But but Gabriel Weinberg has done a few things like that are like step functions. It's like it's like the the rocket going in when when Luke Skywalker blows up the Death Death Star. It's like the one rocket going into the hole and then it's a chain reaction, blows up the whole Death Star. I, I saw your tweet about that. I didn't know that was Gabriel Weinberg. <laughs> no, no, that, that tweet was that that tweet was just me looking for opportunities like that. I think that it's good to look for opportunities like that. And Gabriel Weinberg, for example, you know, when he when he became, when he sort of kept on, I guess, pushing keeping communication open and then finally became one of the default, you know, one of the options in the iPhone as a search mm -hmm. engine, you know, that's like a step function when something like that happens. That's like blowing up a Death Star, you know, it's like, so that those kind of marketing things are very interesting to me. It's like, what can you do that is just like going to blow the shit out of everything, just take you to a whole new level. And so, yeah, go on, what are you saying? Oh no! I just uh, I just had a a twitch. That's all. <laughs> I mean, I would honestly like every developer to go through the boot camp. And there's every there's developer. Like, there's twenty million of them. So, how do I reach twenty million developers? That's what I want to know. So I'm sort of thinking in the back of my mind. Yeah. Well, get featured on the front page of uh, GitHub. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. You're sort of spending yeah. a lot of effort on a single event, but at the same time, it could pay off. It could be like a it could, it could. Yeah. And that's why it like sucks all your productivity out of everything else you're yeah. doing. <laughs> okay, so um, what do you? I, I didn't didn't really talk about my goals, but I think my goals was just to bounce to, to exercise every day, which I've mainly done apart from the last couple of days. Um, I'm up to twenty minutes um, exercising each session. Um, I, I just missed, yeah, I missed two days in the last week. Um, and I, I did follow your advice, even though last episode I said I wouldn't. I took a rest specifically because I just, I just, it was, yeah, it was too much. So I took. Yeah, well, it's, I gave you easy advice to follow. Yeah. yeah. Like, take <laughs> a break. <laughs> take a break. Um, so, you know, I, I, let's just say five, five days of exercise between now and then. I think that's probably good, five days a week. Um, that's really and, good, yeah. And just more progress on um, Slider. Um, getting he's uh, the the dev started to build the UI stuff, which is good. Um, the sort of the you know it shows the game score and like being able to choose different challenges and stuff. And I've started building the so with Roblox, there's a server side and there's a front end. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting is the server side runs the full game. So if some if if a if a guy's running around these little sliders and earning experience points, you can't do that on the client side because basically script kiddies can get in there and hack right, it. Right, right. So you need to you need to do all that stuff on the back end. Um, so I'm just beginning to learn about that and do that. I, that's sort of probably what one of my main things is going to be this week. It's just how about the dev that's working on it? Does he know how that works or not? Uh, no, no, he's not. He's more of a builder than a coder. Oh, he's, okay. He do, he is a coder, but he's more of a builder. Um, so yeah, so I'm so just back end stuff, uh, just to get more of an understanding. That's my goal to 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 more deeply understand the back end by this time next week. With Nugget, my goal is to just continue tweeting on Twitter. That's my new marketing thing, and some indie hackers. So just keep marketing. I, and saw, getting more I saw you tweeting more recently. Yeah. 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 
that's it. That's me. How about you? Cool. Um, let's see here. So, so since I've got the new mic, uh, I am more motivated than ever to record screencasts. <laughs> and um, I, I started one other thing I didn't mention, which is I, uh, I started a, a free series at the same time as my paid one. So I'm doing a paid series on Absinthe uh, GraphQL library for, for Elixir. And I did a, a YouTube video, which, which actually got crazy good traction compared to my normal ones. Okay. Where I was just like, hey, this is just a quick update. You know, one, I got a new microphone. Two, I've started this paid series on Absinthe. And three, you know, I'm not going to leave the rest of the YouTube channel hanging. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to still put some videos out here that are free for everyone. Uh, you have two days left to vote on what you want me to work on next using that requests page. I've got an alchemist mm -hmm. camp. Yeah. And a whole bunch of people just like requested things to the comments on YouTube or not a whole bunch, but some did, which obviously is uh, not what I asked them to do, <laughs> but a whole bunch of people went to the request page and started voting and the video got good traction too. So um, that uh, um, put the, Ecto series, which I already said I was interested in doing. Uh, that's Ecto is the the main database library for Elixir, so that that put the Ecto series on top. So I accepted mm. that. So which, that means I'm making free videos teaching about the most com basically the only database library many Elixir devs use. Mm. At the same time as I'm making premium videos on a GraphQL library and the two topics okay, cool. are kind of kind of related. Like mm. actually, if you don't understand Ecto, you won't understand the, the GraphQL series. Okay. So, um, got a lot of, a lot of content to make. And I've also, I've also got to spend a little bit of time seeing, uh, seeing what's going on on, um, the billing side. Cause I've, I've had two different users, accidentally pay multiple times. Mm. So I, 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 I did a little bit of investigation. It looked like they had, like they, were, they had a single Stripe customer, but that customer was getting multiple subscriptions created. And I think, I think maybe like the, uh, the modal for Stripe JS is slow when they submit it, something like that. And then they refresh the page, which submits the modal again. Like that's, okay. that's not controlled by my server. Like that's just, you know, their, their own, their own, uh, injected content. Yeah. But I, I should be able to set up something that will, uh, on, on my end, that'll just make it so that if a subscription exists for a customer, no more subscriptions can be created and they'll, you know, make sure yeah. that they're, yeah, they, you know, that premium sense. access. Yeah. So I'm going to, going to dig into that a little bit. And work on Phoenix Igniter because because uh, it's uh, I, I've just been holding back my code for too long. I got to get it out there. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right, man. All right. So that's uh, sounds like our plan. See you next week. See you next time. <laughs>